I don't know, David, if you shared, maybe I missed it, about Pastor Gabby in in particular, but he did call me yesterday, and uh, he did test positive for COVID-19 yesterday, so need to pray for him uh, and the family. Um, There's, uh, because Lebanon is in hardship in so many different directions, um, they're also experiencing five 5,000 new cases every day in Lebanon. So, um, so it continues to be just really scary. And yet, uh, Pastor Gabby, that, that heart for Lebanon and the people. So please, uh, as a whole congregation, I told him we will all be praying for him. Uh, not many symptoms. He's just very mild symptoms um, uh, so far. So... Um, Speaking of symptoms, I wanted to uh, tell a story from November 2014, and I received a call about our beloved David Henney, that apparently David had woke up in the middle of the night, and he was unable to breathe uh, well, and so Marilyn, his wife, called uh, the hospital right away uh, called 911, and uh, they rushed him in, and the prognosis was not good. Apparently, the ventricles in his heart were not operating in sync, in unison. Um, and Marilyn was instructed to call all the kids and, and gather them. So the, the kids from around the country, even out of country, I think Guatemala, uh, son came um, very uh, fearful time, believing that in all probability this was the end. I, uh, I, when I received the phone call before I went to the hospital, I prayed, and uh, honestly, my prayer was just, Lord, could you not take David Henney home? We, this world needs him a little bit longer. So I, I know that you, in your providence, will make these decisions, but I'm just, could you please just don't take David in this moment? And I felt like I received an impression, um, and no, no voice, kind of like the impression I received uh, that I shared regarding that song. It was a, a strong impression, and I felt like the Lord said, David isn't going anywhere. He's still on assignment. Now, we had just uh, invited David to be an elder uh, for three years, so he was about to be installed as an elder and so forth. That may have had something to do with it, but the impression was so distinct that I shared it with David. I, sometimes I just keep those impressions to myself. Sometimes I get it wrong uh, and um, don't want to give any false hope sometimes, but it was such a strong impression. I shared it with David and Marilyn and others, and I said, David, I, you're still on assignment. You're, you're there. I, I, I think, yes, let's pray. And David, I just talked to him, asked him permission to share the story, um, and, said, and he said, I remember that, Eric, and, and took great comfort and strength in those words. They said, uh, to kind of round out the story, they said, uh, we can try a pacemaker. 
If it happens to work, you'll, you'll be on significant restrictions in terms of not being able to hike, not being able to lift all, all of that. And so, um, as most of you know, David made it through uh, that surgery, even though they'd gathered all his children. And, uh, and then uh, he's gone to, I guess, what's called echocardiograms, uh, several of them, and he is on no restrictions at all right now. Yeah, that's worthy of... He was part of the prayer team this morning before, uh, before church, uh, in fact. And one friend uh, who uh, heard about the, uh, that he's on no restrictions, he's like, well, gosh, God is just showing off now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and it's 2021, and here David is moving and all these things to a location. So he's just healthy and has no ill effects from what they thought was uh, the time that he's going to leave. Another friend who is familiar with his uh, call to be an elder and my w- impression that you've got uh, um, a job to do, um, he said to David after his elder three years, he's like, okay, you've served elder for three years, you can go ahead and die now. And like, no, no, it's more assignments and focus. But I tell that story not just to brag on God, because I think we, it's fun to brag on God, especially in the moments when he's showing off. I was thinking and reflecting about the power of vision, the power of living a life on mission, the, the power when we live lives on assignments, and I would say, I would do plural, I don't believe that we're given one assignment or one vision or direction, that we're given many, whether it's in our, our, our family life and home life, like David, for example, he's on assignment, not just with the church, an elder and, and men's Bible studies and so forth, but also in his family, as a husband, as a grandfather and father. We're, we're given assignments in our careers and our professional lives as well, that there's just walking with my son, deciding on what is that sense that God is drawing you to in, after college, is that grad school, is that something else. So this idea that, that there's power when we live with this sense of mission or vision or assignment. And in fact, I believe wholeheartedly that the Christian life is meant to be lived on mission. That if you are not living on assignment or assignments from the Lord, you're you're really living in in less than the fullness and abundant life that God has for you, that that's part of the Christian life. Much Much of our culture is struggling with a lot of things. One of them is that sense of, of purposelessness, that, that people are living without meaning, and they're just kind of filling the days, right, to, the, and, and trying to break the boredom. Uh, they're trying to fill it with entertainment and Netflix and all those things. Not that those things are bad and of themselves, but there's this sense of purposelessness. And I would say when you become a Christian, when you receive Christ into your life, God's desire is to lift you out of that sense of purposelessness. 
He, me- he means to place you and I in with a sense of purpose and mission and assignment in this life. Famously, many of you know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Lord says to the children of God, he said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That God has, God is on the move. He is at work in this world and incredibly, he gives us mission and assignments and vision to fulfill. And not in a sense of like slavery, gotta do this, but that really excites and fills the life with passion. Wouldn't you rather live a life on mission than one with meaninglessness? Just, just kind of waiting for that next series on Netflix to come out until you sit right? With that, that, that sense where you're, where you're not just trying to pass time because the days are boring and hard. No, that is not the kingdom life. The kingdom life is the life lived on assignment. We're going to look this morning at Paul because I think incredibly beautifully Paul illustrates this sense of life on mission and the power that it can have in our lives. Would you turn to Acts 27? We read Acts together as a community of faith. Some of you might remember these stories uh, coming in, and we have a a map that will just kind of refresh us in this stage. I don't know if you can see that well, but uh, part of the, one of the assignments that Paul had was to go to Jerusalem. He faces all sorts of difficulty and, uh, and um, really death threats, and he appeals to Caesar, and he feels and believes from the Lord that another assignment is to go to Rome and preach the gospel to Caesar, most powerful individual in the world at that time. So if you see that uh, Jerusalem is over here and this is the trip to, uh, uh, to Rome and they're gonna, if you can see that big box, ship caught in a storm, 14-day tempest-tossed hope to be saved, given to Paul, encourages all aboard, saying only the ship will be lost. So this is the section that we're gonna read and they're gonna be, Uh, shipwrecked onto Malta. So we're going to start in Acts 27, verse 19. It says, they were debating on whether to carry on, and Paul says, listen, it's not going to go well. Don't do this. But they go ahead anyways and sail for Rome. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Luke, the author of Acts, was probably with Paul in this storm. As we passed to the lee of the small island called Cauda, 
we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Can you imagine doing that, being at, in the Mediterranean Sea, the storm, hurricane level, passing ropes underneath the boat to hold it together. Because they were afraid they could, would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm. The next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard and their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved." Desperate times, they think they're all going down. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. They would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. So maybe Paul shouldn't have said, I told you so, right? But I think he's trying to invite them to listen to him now. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. How does Paul have such confidence to make this statement? Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. This incredible moment of Paul even fearing, despairing for his own life, And yet, God provides support through, I would argue, mission, assignment, and vision. I want us to to note a couple of things from the story. Just first, generally, I want us to note that Paul is modeling, in a grand sense, a life lived on purpose, on mission, on assignment, that he is now no longer wrestling with, I I don't know what to do with my life. He's not wrestling with boredom. He's not wrestling and and, uh, unsure, but he has this sense that God knows him, that God loves him, that God has gifted him, that God has plans and purposes for his life, and he's aligned his life with the greater purposes of God. And I believe that this is not just for Paul. That's not what the scripture says. This isn't just for a few leaders that God invites to be a part of his grand purpose purposes and the rest are in the stands you and I in stands no the testimony of scripture is God knows you God's gifted you remember our gifted series that God has plans and purposes he gives you assignments I would argue in every area of your life and he invites you to live this life on mission, 
day to day, pressing in. You know, Paul, even before he was a Christian, before many of you know Acts 9, you read about it, the road to Damascus, he was Saul, he's persecuting the church and he's going on. Even before he gave his life to Christ, God knew the plans that he has had for him. We know that because when there was a disciple, Ananias, who God was saying, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul, right? Preach the gospel, your hands on him, and, and so forth. And Ananias is like, hey, uh, no, this guy's dangerous. And listen to what the Lord said to Ananias. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. The Lord already knew. The Lord had plans and purposes for Paul. I love this verse, the first part of it. I hate the last part of it. Because God also knew how Paul would suffer. God also knew this shipwreck and the storm and the tempest that would happen. But I want to suggest to you, friends, that God, he knows the plans and purposes he has for you. He knows the assignments. He's inviting you to align your life, whether it's your personal life, your family life, your church life, your professional life, whatever that is, he's inviting you to live and discern and seek that sense of purpose, mission, and assignment. That's one of the invitations of this morning. That is that the Lord is inviting us to to pursue your God-given mission or missions, to, whether it's personal or corporate, to, to seek the Lord in this new season, in this present season, in 2021, Lord, what do you have for me? It, this is connected to Tracy's message, right? Lord, I'm, I'm ready for assignment. Set me up. What do you have for me this day. I want to invite you in this new year, join with us in seeking God's mission and purpose for you personally. I want to share just a little bit of my personal journey with mission and assignment. I'm hoping that it would be helpful, but I, uh, when I went to college, I guess you could say I was a Christian, but I hadn't really given my life to Christ. I wasn't going after it. Freshman year, I I gave my life to Christ. And it took me a little bit of time, but eventually I finally got a sense of purpose and mission and assignment that was beyond me. And I think we all share this as Christians. If you are a follower of Christ, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, that is a grand sense 
of mission and purpose. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to, be, uh, to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That sense is a grand assignment, a grand purpose, no matter where you are, who you are, how old you are, rich or poor, black or white, doesn't matter. You have that sense that God is on the move. He has an agenda. He is inviting people because of his love to be disciples of him. We are meant to align our lives in whatever station and whatever season high school student to retired to that great commission. Yes? Amen? And whatever aspect that is, we align our lives to that great commission. I got that sense in college. It was a big moment for me. I think it was my junior year when I began to think, you know, God might want me to play a role in what he's doing in my university. Maybe I'm not just here to get an education. Maybe there's a grander purpose and, and meaning that I could actually join him on this college campus. And I began to do my best to be loving and kind, to represent the love of God to the people around me, especially those who I didn't get along with. Did my best to start serving, serving opportunities. To, and when occasion, when, when the Spirit of God brought it, I, I did my best to share the, the reason for my hope, to share my faith, to share the gospel. I did my best to start praying for people. It's not that I was particularly good at any of those things. But I was living on assignment in that little place, that little corner of the world. Slowly I began to, my sense of our community of faith, I got my sense of assignment sophomore year, I was a small group leader and just walked with four or five guys through scripture. I wasn't necessarily a great Bible study leader at that time, and yet God used that little assignment and those four or five guys' lives. Junior year became the coordinator of all of our small groups for our university chapter. Tried to walk with other small group leaders. Final year, felt like the Lord invited me to be president. And so again, that sense, actually it was each year, there were assignments that he was giving me. Felt like there was an assignment to my fraternity brothers. That was beyond just having a good time. Felt like there was an assignment in my family. When I went back, I have an on assignment, that, that sense of moving in that way. Let's return to Paul for a moment in this verse 20. I think it's interesting that Luke says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Luke doesn't say, you know, the non-Christians, they gave up all hope. We, we, were, all, we were pretty confident. No. 
There's real fear and real distress. And then look at again at verse 21, what happens that the Lord, they'd gone a long time without any hope, and then the Lord says, I need to, to give Paul and Luke and the sailors some hope. And what does he say? Paul, you're on assignment. One of your assignments is, is to pray. I told you from the very beginning. You're on assignment. You, you, you gotta preach the gospel to Caesar. And remember about that idea of suffering, the, the shipwreck, that, that, yeah, that's part of the, don't let that cause you to lose hope. That's just part of the deal. I'm gonna give you assignments, but it's not gonna be smooth sailing. It's gonna be rough and rugged because we live in a broken world and we have an enemy of our souls and we have people that don't want you to preach to Caesar or anyone else and there's gonna be conflict and struggle and strife and pain and things that will cause anxiety and discouragement. Take courage. I've got plans and purposes for you. This was a pattern that Paul kept seeing the earlier time when in Jerusalem when, when there were actually religious leaders taking oaths not to eat or drink until they killed Paul. That's some resistance, yes. That's something perhaps that would have created anxiety in Paul. And listen to what happens. It says, Acts 23, 11, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Again, Paul, taking courage and hope and strength and comfort from his sense of mission, purpose, an assignment. Now, I do realize that our series, this three-week series on vision, we entitled Wind in the Sails. It's such a nice image, isn't it? The Spirit of God filling our sails, and now we're talking about a tempest, a hurricane, and a shipwreck. Why would I start there? Because I feel like in reflection of 2020, that year has felt a whole lot like a shipwreck, has it not? Yes. And, and in many ways, I would say both as a church and me personally, it has felt like that vision, the, the vision that we talked about, a seven-year vision, vision 2025, has, has been put on hold in many ways. And as I was praying for us this morning, uh, for uh, this morning, I had the sense of this is not the time to give up on God's assignments and purposes and mission. That if we believe these assignments are from the Lord, this is not the time to give up, but to re-up in our sense of purpose and assignment and call, that we don't let go of those purposes. If we pray through and say, Lord, is this from you? Which I have done in the past. Lord, are, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be doing that? And if our sense is yes, God is calling, then we don't give up on it, but we, we pivot, we persevere. 
We say, okay, God, I'm ready for the next season. Let's get past this storm. Let's move beyond this shipwreck and re-engage with the vision. I believe, again, just sharing personally again, I believe that at the deepest and hardest struggle, the darkest parts, times of my life, when I was like, God, if you want to bring me home, I'm good. I was so sad, so broken, and so hurt. I said, Lord, I'm, I wasn't going to take my life, but I was like, God, if you want like a bus to hit me, I'm good. And my sense of mission, really two senses of mission, my assignment for my kids and my assignment for the church and the kingdom of God. This is before I had met Kendra or uh, married to Kendra. Now she's another assignment. That's there. And it's all been smooth sailing since we've been. <laughs> no. But that sense of what the Lord said, also the Lord spoke through my kids and said, Dad, stop saying that. Stop saying that. It's like, okay. The, this sense of he has an assignment for me, both in my personal life and the ministry, that, man, it was a shipwreck. <laughs> and yet, he invited me to re-up. And so I'm going to share this uh, vision with you, this sense of call because it does come and I'm just going to share it. We're going to talk about it. Pastor Jed and I and I are going to unpack it over these three weeks. So I just want you to hear the vision and take it in and carry it with you for the next three weeks, okay? And I believe that we can share this vision with a greater clarity than we've ever had. If there's one scripture that is the heart and soul of our seven-year vision, would be this, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. As many of you know that the kingdom of God is Jesus' big idea, the center. It caused me to, you could say, uh, deconstruct some of the things I believed about the faith, about Jesus Christ and his ministry, about the church, about the Holy Spirit, you name it. And as he's led us through a process of reconstructing with the kingdom of God at the center, the very simplest statement is, I believed that he was calling us to have a community of faith with the kingdom of God truly at the center that will continue to return again and again to Jesus' big idea, to the Jesus' thesis statement, his central teaching, and everything we do will revolve around his central teaching. And this has implications for our relationships, our spiritual growth, and our outreach. Our relationships, our spiritual growth, and our outreach. So again, just briefly, the three values that we have is 
A, a kingdom-centered community goes from shallow relationships to sacred friendships. A kingdom-centered community goes from information alone to transformation, to, to deep spiritual formation. And we go from a powerless outreach and witness and testimony to empowered witness, empowered kindness. We have developed some ministries that correspond to those values. Our desire is that all of our ministries, whether children or youth, or the ministries I'm about to list, have these three values in them. But these ministries in particular are connected to those values. So sacred friendships, we wanna see kingdom life communities that are in the neighborhoods surrounding SCC and within Colorado Springs being a family on mission that's part of sacred friendships. Deep spiritual formation, we have something called apprentice huddles that we've been developing. Think of leadership development, discipleship groups of three to 12 folks, and then empowered witness, missing Jesus. Many of you have heard that spirit-filled outreach, discussion, community, love, and kindness. Those are our three vehicles, you could say, values and vehicles. Now, I was processing with Jedediah and Natalie the last time I preached vision, and Jedediah was critiquing my vision a little bit, which is good, I can receive that. And he came up with this analogy. He said, think of us as pirates. I'm not making this up. He really said this, right? He says, think of us about pirates. Like, we need a sense, yes, of who we are, but where we're going. And I said, well, isn't it enough? Like, the values of sacred friendships, uh, deep spiritual transformation, empowered witness, that's where I get life and hunger and, and desire for this vision. That's what I want to do. In fact, after this vision is done and after I retire as a pastor, I'm still pursuing those three values. That's where I get excitement. Isn't that enough for you to be the best pirate you can be? And Jedediah said, no, it's not. I want a sense of where we're going. And I thought right away, you know, God has brought Jedediah for this, for us to interact. And then secondly, I thought that's personality as well, different personalities. I do have some numbers and goals, but I hadn't shared them previously. And, and I'm always concerned about them being like egotistical, like people thinking Eric wants to be a pastor of a really large church. That's not that at all. I'm gonna share these numbers based on Jedediah's pirate analogy. All right? So here's our, our sense of goal. We envision 30 kingdom life communities surround, in the Colorado Springs. Imagine the kingdom of God coming to earth through families in 30 different neighborhoods around the church in 2025. That people are living 
those three values in neighborhoods, 30 of them. I believe we have seven now. The desire is for 30 in 2025. We have a, a number of what we call apprentice huddles where we're seeking to see transformation, not just information. That's our leadership development. Scott Reese is, is leading that ministry. Um, and our desire is that we would have 30 apprentice huddles that were raising up leaders to get on assignment and serve the Lord, find our role, find our, discover our giftedness, and be released into ministry. In terms of missing Jesus, we dream that in 2025, we would have 100 people that would go through our outreach um, whether it's at the church here, whether it's doing Missing Jesus in homes, in neighborhoods, at workplaces, in a lunchroom, wherever that would be, in 2025, imagine 100 people going through Missing Jesus. We believe if we're really living that vision, that God would place 1,000 people in worship a weekend, right? Whatever that would look like, a number of services and so forth. That is our Rome, a vision or vision 2025. Again, based on your personality, don't reject or go, if you have questions, talk to me or Jedediah. If you're wondering about the pirate analogy, you gotta go to Jedediah, not me. But I want you to take this in and give us an opportunity to unpack it over the next couple of weeks. And let me close with this. If I re return to the story, verse 25 and 26, Paul says, he reports what the angel said, and he says to the men, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. What Paul again models for us is that he made decisions based on mission and assignment that, that led to his discernment of what God is doing and decisive action. He didn't just say, well, God's got it. We're on mission. He's good. No, 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 no. Paul took action. Paul made decisions. Paul was warned by many, including a prophet, Agabus, about going to Jerusalem, and he said this, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. I would say, Paul, then why are you going? Then don't go to Jerusalem if, if the Spirit is saying prison and hardship awaits you. But see, Paul was led by the sense of mission. Paul was encouraged 
and empowered by that sense of assignment and purpose. God was saying, this is this love of God that is over all the earth, it is worth sacrifice. It is worth shipwrecks. It is worth, it gives me hope and meaning and purpose. And even if it leads to difficult places, I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. And I encourage you, if you hear anything this day, don't let the year that we've had throw you off God's assignments in your life. Right? That, that he said <laughs> we'll face many troubles in this world. That's part of the deal. That's part of the Christian life. Life in God's kingdom in this broken world. But take courage. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Take courage. He knows you and loves you and has plans and purposes for your life. Don't give up. Re-up especially in these difficult moments. I want to invite the worship team up. Would you pray with me? Father, you know my heart. I... I don't want to strive for safety or retirement or a life that is disengaged from your purposes. I'm longing more than anything to be with you and then with you on mission. So, Lord, would you stir in our hearts, Lord, whether in our, in our family lives, with, our, with our, our kids or our parents, our friends, Lord God, would you draw us to the assignments that you've given us? Lord, in our professional lives, and our careers, would you highlight what, how you're directing and leading us? And Lord, in this church, Lord, with this, this assignment of being a, a community of faith with your kingdom at the center, Lord, would you help us to make decisions and commitments to use our gifts and abilities and resources to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord. Amen.